On the Pasuk, Matoivo Yalecha Yaakov Mishkanei Secha Yisrael, Rashi translates Matoivo Yalecha is referring to the time when he saw, this is referring to Bilam, of course, when he saw the doors of the Yidden not facing each other. Mishkanei Secha Rashi translates Chanei Secha, your encampments, and Rashi says, Kitargumoy, as the Targum translates it. Dovarach, Rashi says, another meaning, Matoivo Yalecha, Matoivu, how good is the Oyel Shiloi, the Mishkan that the Yidden had in Shiloi, and the Beis Elamim, the Eternal has, the Beis HaMikdosh, Bishuvon means when they were settled, when the Yidden were, were, had the Beis HaMikdosh, they were bringing Karbonis there, and this would be a Kapara for the Yidden. And Mishkan Eisechel refers to that, even the time when the Beis HaMikdosh is destroyed. And therefore it's called Mishkan Eisechel because they are like a Mashka, and a security for the Yidden. And the Churban brings a kapara for the nefashis for the souls. As the Pasuk says, Kilo Hashem is chamosay Hashem led out or finished off his anger. And how did Hashem finish off his anger? By by igniting a fire in Sion, by burning the Beis HaMikdash. This was a kapara for the Yidin. So the Rebbe asks a number of questions. Number one, why is Rashi translating the word Mishkan Secha as your encampments? Why can't he translate it in the simple sense that Mishkan Secha would be the Plural for the word Mishkan. Especially that we don't find elsewhere that the Lashon Yochid for encampments would be Mishkan. The word is more to do with Chaniyah. Chanois. We have a Pasuk Chanoiseinu. Number two that Rebbe asks. From the wording of the Pasuk, we understand that the word Matoivu applies also to the words Mishkanai Secha Yisroel. In other words, Matoivu is going on the Oyalecha Yaakov, and also on Mishkanai Secha Yisroel, how good they both are. The question is, if we translate Mishkanai Secha as encampments, what exactly is so good about the encampments of the Yidden? Question number three. We know the rule in Pidush Rashi al which was discussed many times, and when Rashi brings two or more Pirushim, Regarding one thing, it's because each one of the Pirushim has a question that the other Pirush does not have. And this is why Rashi needs both Pirushim. So in our case, we need to understand what is the problem with each one of these Pirushim. The Rebbe then says, in the second Pirush, when Rashi starts translating the Pasuk again, the question is, instead of Rashi doing as he usually would do, and say, Dover Acher, another meaning, what is Matoivu? Referred to, so Rashi would say that Dovarachar Matoivu, how good is the oil of Shiloh, etc. Rashi starts almost like again. Rashi says Dovarachar, another meaning is on the words Matoivu Oyalecha. Rashi repeats those words Matoivu Oyalecha, and then he says Matoivu oil Shiloh, etc. Why does he need to repeat again that he's going to translate the words Matoivu Oyalecha again? Another question that Rebbe asks is, why is Rashi? Saying that it's referring to Mishkan Shiloi and the Beis Oilamim, the oil of Shiloi and Beis Oilamim. Why doesn't Rashi count the Oil Moed? It's also called Oil. And this is actually with the Yidden when he's benching them. This is something present right now. Why isn't he counting the Oil Moed if you're looking for Oil Lecha Yaakov? And then the Rebbe asks the following question The good of the Oil Shiloi and the Beis Oilamim, Rashi explains that we were bringing Karbonis inside of them. But the question is, why isn't Rashi just referring to the main goods, mention the main good, according to Pshutish al Mikra, at least that's the main good, as the Pasuk says itself, what is so great 
about these places. Va'asuli mikdash for which purpose? V'shachanti b'soichem that this is going to be the place where the shechina is. So why is Rashi mentioning that that's the toiv? Why is he referring to the karbonis? The Rebbe also asks why is it relevant over here when Rashi is trying to explain about oyhalecha and mishkanay secha that the good of these places are that the karbonis are to bring a kapara for the yidden. And that the churban is also a kapara for the nefashis, for the souls. Why is that relevant over here? On the other hand, the Rebbe says, if in fact to understand this concept that a mishkan, the security, which is hinting to the time that it was destroyed, and somehow we need to understand that that too is a kapara for the Yidden, if that's the case, why is it that Rashi in Parshas Pekude, where there the Pasuk says the words, Hamishkon, Mishkon, it says twice. Rashi says that these twice the word Mishkon is referring to the Beis Hamikdash, the two Bati Mikdash that were destroyed twice. So they too are like a security for the Averis of the Eden. Why doesn't Rashi say over there that this was going to be a Kapara for the Eden? And then the Rebbe asks, what in, exactly is this lotion that Rashi is using, al Hanafoshit? It's a kapara for the souls. This seems to me a very, very unusual expression. And finally, the Rebbe asks, since we somehow, Rashi does want to say that it's a kapara on the, on the nefoshis, but Rashi brought a posuk. Rashi brought a posuk that Hashem let out his anger. Kilo Hashem is chamosoi. Somehow Rashi is understanding that from the Pasuk, that the Churban is going to be a Kapara for the Averos, and it's going to be a Kapara now for these Nefoshis, for these souls. How exactly is this Pasuk helping us in any way? How do we see that it's a Kapara for the Nefoshis? Says the Rebbe, the explanation in all of this is, before Matoi Voyelecha Yaakov, the Pasuk says, Vayisa Bilom Eseinov, Bilom lifted his eyes, and he saw the Yidin Shoychein L'Shvotov. Resting by his shvatim. Rashi explains over there. What does shoychein l'shvatim mean? He saw that each and every shevet was resting, was camping separately, and they're not mixed together. Then Rashi goes on over there and tells us this idea that their doors are not facing each other, so they're not peeking and looking into each other's tents. Why does Rashi have to give us that explanation on that pasuk when Bilam is looking at the Yidden? So the Rebbe explains, because simply when it says, He saw the Yidin resting by their Shvatim, it sounds like he saw some sort of Chidush, some, something unique, something very, very great and good, and this caused what the Pasuk says further about the Hiyal of Ruach HaLekim, that as a result of this, he has a spirit of Hashem coming on him, and as Rashi explains that what had happened, that in other words, suddenly now he's realizing that he, it entered his heart that he shouldn't be cursing them. In other words, he saw something so special that this caused him to realize I shouldn't be cursing these Yidin. And this was visible, this is seen in the way the Yidin were camping. Somehow it's connected to the Yidin camping. That's why Rashi explained, oh, because he saw the way the Yidin were camping, each shave it for themselves. They're not mixed together which shows that they were very, very careful regarding their lineage, making sure each, each family, each shaved exactly who belongs to whom. And as Rashi explains earlier in Chumash, that the fact that the way they, each one was connected to their shavit was that each one of the people, each one of the families were able to bring their books of yichos, of their lineage and so on, and the proof for their births. Each one was very, very clearly associated with their families and with their shvotim. 
which clearly shows that the Yidin are acting in an extra, extra Tzniyazdik way, in a modest way, not stop mixing with everybody else. And since Bilam saw this Milo, he was very, very nispal, he was very, very amazed by this, and he, it affected him so much that now he understands he shouldn't be cursing these Yidin. Now, if that's the case, the Pasuk should have then only said, Vayaris Yisrael, Shoichin L'Shvatim, they're camping by Shvatim. Which would have implied that the Shvatim are not mixing with each other, everyone knows exactly their place. But since the Pasuk says, Shoichin L'Shvatov, says the Rebbe, there must be that there was something else going on over here that Bilam saw, something even greater. And that which is expressed, L'Shvatov, meaning even within each and every Shevet, there's also something going on. You can recognize even within an individual shevet that this is a Yiddish shevet. Says Rashi, because he saw that their doors are not facing each other, not to be looking into the other person's tent. And th- it's understood that this, this seeing this idea and this great quality further caused Bilam to understand that he shouldn't be cursing the Yidin. Wow, look how beautiful the special behavior that the Yidin have. Says the Rebbe, based on this introduction that Rashi had given already before, now Rashi is continuing to explain the Psukim, based on that same idea, that when Bilam comes afterwards to speak good about the Yidin, so Rashi explains that after the Pasuk where it says, Na'um Bilam b'noi bo'ir, this are the words of Bilam, the son of Bo'ir, etc., the one with the open eyes, and so on and so forth. He says, why? The Pasuk goes on and says further, why isn't he cursing them? Pasuk says, In other words, this Pasuk is going to bring out these two milos. This is why I'm not going to curse them. Because Look how the tents of the Yidin are standing. And Rashi says, Look how the Yidin are camping. As we said before, that each Shevet is camping separately. And that's why he says, What does Matoivu mean? According to Pshutish Mikra, it's not coming to say a new bracha over here. He's not giving any prophecy, any nevius. It's just an expression of, wow, look how amazing, look how good the tents of the Yidin are. This is the reason why I'm not going to curse them. And just the opposite, I'm actually going to be praising them and giving them brachas. And this is why Rashi says, Matoi voyalecha is because he saw that their doors weren't facing each other. Mishkan secha means their encampments, not the usual translation which we would give as a mishkan or a dwelling place or a place of living, etc., which this this encamping is the idea that we said before that each shevet is camping for themselves, and in accordance to what was said already earlier, the pasuk had said earlier, that each yid and all the yid and each one sticks to their camps, and and this is what Rashi is telling us on the word But since it's not a regular pirush. Um, the word, sorry, on the word Mishkan Yisecha. But since this is not a regular translator of, translation of Mishkan and Mishkan Yisecha, so Rashi has to say, Kitargumoy, that we see that the Targum also translates it in this way, Beis Meshroch, the place of your encampments. Or this is the usual translation for, encamp, encampment usually is exactly this word, Beis Meshroch. However, the problem with this Pirush of Rashi is, says the Rebbe, a number of things. And this is why we're going to lead eventually why Rashi needs another Pirush. Number one, we don't actually find anywhere else that Mishkan should be translated as encampment. Number two, we said before that which one comes first? First is the idea that the Shvatim are, in, are, are camping in a particular way. And then there's the idea of the way the Yidin's tents are set up. 
First of all, actually, that's the general idea. First, you speak about the general camp and then the individual tents. Also, that's the way it would have been set up. First, the Shvatim come to a certain place and then they set up their tents. If that's the case, what should have the Pasuk said? If Mishkan Oisecha refers to the camp of the Shvatim, it should have first said Mishkan Oisecha and then Oyhalecha, then the tents. And we see a Rashi himself, itself. Rashi is the one that first explains in that previous Rashi that first Bilam sees all the Shvatim, each one of their own camps, and then he sees how their doors are not facing each other. Another question that Rebbe says, the fact that each one of the Shvatim is in their own camp and people aren't mixing with each other, that seems to be the main thing. That's going to be related to the fact that everyone knows exactly where they were born, which family they belong to, and so on and so forth. And this seems to be a much greater idea than the fact that doors aren't facing each other, which is only stopping people not to be looking into other people's tents. If that's the case, again, the Pasuk should have said it in the opposite order. First, which seems to be the greater idea. And then, Yidin are careful, even in the Indian of Oyalecha, not to peek into each other's tents. Although, again, refers to both, but it makes sense to say that the, the greater good, in other words, the more important thing, should come first, right next to the words matoivu. Another question that Rebbe asks is, based on all of this, the matoivu is actually not part, as we said before, of the brachis or the prophecy. It's just part of Bilam being amazed at the Yidin. If that's the case, the pasuk we mentioned earlier, which comes just before, matoivu Yaakov, which is, these are the words of the, of Bilam, the one who hears the words of Hashem, who's going to pray, say prophecy and so on. That should have said after Matoivoy Alecha Yaakov. Seemingly, Matoivoy Alecha Yaakov is not the Nevoah yet. Even though the Rebbe says, you could say that first Bilam is f- sort of finishing off with praising and speaking about his own greatness and so on, and then he's going to start speaking about the Yidin, Matoivo Yaakov. But see, simply, this Posik that what Bilam is describing as Nevoah should come after Matoivo Yaakov, where he's actually going to start saying things of the future and giving brachos, rather than Matoivo Yaakov, the way we're understanding it now, is just Bilam's own personal understanding of what's going on by the Yidin. It's for all of these reasons that Rashi now brings a second Pirush which is actually referring to a prophecy of the future, that Matoivu, how great it is, the tent of Shiloi and the Beis Hamikdash, first of all, when they're settled, when they're standing, and that we could definitely understand that there's a special good in these Mikdashos. And since the Pasuk uses the term Oyolechon, Oyol, so number one, it would be referring to the Oyol Shiloi, to Shiloi, which is referred to as an Oyol, but on the other hand, since it's Boloshin Rabim, it's in the plural, we understand that it's also referring to something else, which would be the Beis HaMikdosh, which is in some way also similar to the oil of Shiloi. And that's why Rashi says it refers to the oil Shiloi of the future and the Beis HaMikdosh. Then Rashi says, on Mishkan Oisecha Yisrael, this too is referring to Mishkan Shiloi and the Beis HaMikdosh. But now we're speaking about the time that they were destroyed. And that's why they are being referred to as Mishkan Oisecha, that they're being taken as a security, because it's referring to the time that they were destroyed. Why does Rashi have to start telling us about the good of the Beis HaMikdash, about the Karbonis and all of that? So the Rebbe says as follows, even though we can by ourselves understand the good of the Oyel Shili and the Beis Elamim, both when they're standing and when they're destroyed, because as we said before, if it's being called a Mishkan, it means it's security for the Yidden and so on. 
Nevertheless, we just explained earlier that this Pasuk, which starts off Matoivu, is like giving a reason why is Bilam not about to curse them? What's inspiring him to, to give them brachos and not to curse them? Says the Rebbe, this applies according to the second Pirush as well. That when Bilam is speaking about Matoivu, Yalecha Yaakov is giving somehow a reason why he's not about to curse them. Rashi says, what's special about the Besamigdash that he's not going to curse them? Because they bring Karbonis, which is a Kapara for the Yidin. And furthermore, even when they're destroyed, it's again a Kapara for the Yidin. How does this help understand why Bilam is not going to curse them? So the Rebbe says, earlier on the Pasuk said, that Bilam, Bilam this time was not about to curse them. He realized already the Abishta is not interested in cursing them. Rashi explains, rather I'm going to try to mention some of their Averois, and then automatically they'll be cursed because of their Averois. Says the Rebbe, what happens now when Bilam is benching them? He has to explain why it is that even mentioning their Averois is not going to help. That's not going to bring a curse. Why is that? Because Matoivoy Alecha Yaakov, there's something special about the Beis Migdosh, because there's going to be Karbonis over there, which is going to be a Kapara for the Yidin. So all of their Averois, the Eibishter forgives. Ah, you're going to say, that's all very nice when the Beis Migdosh is standing. Furthermore, a carbon might bring a, be a Kapara only for an Avera when a person did it by mistake, and an Isur Karis. Or on an Aveira that a person did intentionally by a mitzvah saseh or other certain lavim, certain loisases. But what about when a person did an Aveira b'mezid by an Isur of Kares or an Aveira that has Mises Bezdin? Seemingly in these cases, Karbonis doesn't help. So maybe Bilam could curse them for those kinds of Averis. So Rashi says, the Churban Beis HaMikdush is a kapara for what? al on the souls. This goes very well with something that Rashi said in Parshas Koirach. On the Pasek HaChatoyim or Elu Binafshoyisam, the sinners with their souls. Rashi explains that these people sinned with their souls because they went and fought and argued against the Eibishter. In other words, this is the ultimate of rebellion. Furthermore, the Rebbe says that we could say, at least in B'derech Rem, is that the word Kapora Ala Nefoshois is like the Pasek says, Nefesh Kisechto Bishgoga. And then we have another pasuk, Hanefesh Ashatasabi Adramu, who's speaking about Averis, both of them were and Bemezid, and in both of them the word Nefesh is used. So this is the idea that's going on that we're speaking about that yes, there is going to be a Kapara even for the Averis that the Yidden did Bemezid. And this is when the Churban Beis Migdash is bringing a Kapara for all of these Averis. And Rashi goes on to bring a proof from the pasuk, Kilo Hashem is Chamosoy. Hashem let out or finished off his anger by by burning the base Hamikdash. What did that do? That that sort of finished off Hashem's anger that came because of the Averis of the Yidden. That finished off. Now there's no longer that anger. Meaning to say that through the Churban, all of the Averis, even the harshest Averis, were all forgiven. And also the ones from the past. And therefore there's nothing left anymore from Hashem's anger for those Averis. This is what Bilam is saying, that there's no point in cursing them because Hashem forgives their Averis. Says the Rebbe, now we can also understand why Rashi starts again with the words, Ma Wow, how wonderful are your tents? We ask, why does Rashi have to repeat that? Because Rashi is trying to emphasize that these words of Bilam are also an introduction and a reason for that that his curse cannot apply. 
And since it says matoy voyelecha, that this is going to be the reason, so we have to say that what's the good of oyelecha, mishkanaisecha, is not just stam, oh, we have a base amigdash, but the fact that we have the karbonis that are going to be mechaper, and even by the churban, there's a kapara for their averis, on their nefoshes for their souls. Says the Rebbe, now we can also understand another thing. We asked before, why? When Rashi says in Parshas Pekudei that the Mishkan is like a Mashkan, why doesn't he say over there that it's a Kapara? Says the Rebbe, because over there the Pasuk is only trying to give us a hint for the concept of the two Mikdashos as a separate idea. The Mishkan, Mishkan is a hint to the two Mikdashos. It's not relevant over there to say exactly what the great quality of the Mikdash is, especially as we said before, we understand what's so great about it. Whereas over here we're trying to explain why it is a reason that Bilam can't curse them, and Rashi explains because it's a Kapara. However, there's problems with this Pirish as well. And as we'll see, that's why Rashi also needed the first Pirish. So first of all, the Rebbe says the problem is, we're said that these ideas of these Mishkan and Batei Mikdash are hinted in the word Oyalecha. It's seemingly difficult to say that the base Hamikdash, the base Oyalamim, should be called Dafka with the word Oyal, which is a temporary thing. Number two, says the Rebbe in a different Sikha was explained on the Rashi in Parshas Pekudei, that the reason why over there Rashi does not say that it's referring to Shiloi and the Beis HaMikdash, rather that it's referring to the two Bate Mikdash, because if we want to translate Mishkan as a security, that's difficult to say about Mishkan Shiloi. A security is usually something that's taken from the borrower in a temporary way, till he pays the loan, and then he will get back the security. Now that could only apply to the Beis HaMikdash. Then the second Beis HaMikdash we got back, the first Beis HaMikdash. Even though, of course, they're not completely identical, but nevertheless, the general idea of both of them is exactly the same. Both of them are a bias. Both of them are a house for Hashem. Whereas Mishkan Shiloi, as said before, is only temporary. And that's why temporary. That's why Rashi said, does not say that Mishkan refers to, to the oil of Shiloi, because it's not really a security in the same sense. If that's the case... How does it make sense that over here suddenly Mishkan Oisecha is referring to Mishkan Shiloi, that when it's destroyed it's like a security? So according, so in, in this Pirush we're going to have to say that it refers to Mishkan Shiloi because, as we said before, basically we're speaking about the same thing. And that's referring to the oil of Shiloi and the Beis Hamikdash. So therefore Mishkan Oisecha, we're already also applying to both of them. So in Pashas Pekudeh we couldn't say it refers to Mishkan Shiloi. Here we are saying it refers to Mishkan Shiloi because of Mishkan Shiloi is included in Oyalecha. But we can understand that there's a problem over here that seemingly it's not really the term for Mishkan, for, for Mishkan Shiloi really shouldn't be, the Oyal Shiloi really shouldn't be called a Mashkoin. Therefore Rashi also needs the first Pshat Yaakov. And in fact, that is the first Pirush because that seems a little closer to Pshut Shal Mikra that it's referring to the tents and the encampments and so on. And that's why that is the first and main Pirush. Because according to that Pirish, our main problem was just the order. What's first, the oil or the mishkan, as said before? Is it first that the Yidden are camping and then setting up the tents? And we, that's even not such a big problem because we know sometimes Rashi will tell us that the order, the way to translate and understand the Pasuk is by looking slightly in a different order in the Pasuk. Whereas according to the second Pirish, the problem is more the toichen of how we're translating the Pasuk, how we're understanding the toichen of what mishkan actually means. Says the Rebbe Dairo from this whole Rashi is... From the Toichan of Rashi's Pirish, we see the importance of Tzniyas, the great importance of Tzniyas, that even though, even this idea that their doors aren't facing each other, which seemingly is not the most crucial Indian in Tzniyas, 
because it's just that we shouldn't be looking into each other's tents, even this has the power to affect someone that even like Bilam or Russia shouldn't want to curse the Yidden, and just the opposite, he starts benching them in the greatest ways, that they spread out like springs, etc. And the Aira is, a person shouldn't come along and say, yes, when it comes to big matters of Tznius, like the idea that the Shvatim should each be not mixing with each other, family should stay separate and so on, that'll be very careful. But seemingly something a little detailed. In Tznius, he doesn't have to be so careful. So Yid has to know that even these details are so crucial and essential to the extent that it could transform something so negative from one extreme to another. But the Yitzhara could still try to convince the person. He says, fine, maybe this is just when it's a permanent situation. Bowen was speaking about just in a very, on a very, very temporary way, in a temporary way, just for a short amount of time. Maybe then we don't have to be so careful in all matters of tznius and even the smallest, tiniest little things, etc. Says the Rebbe here too, we have the Hirah, that the Pasuk says, after the way Rashi explains that he saws that doors not facing each other, even when they are even an oil and a temporary thing, even here it's so relevant and important, this type of caution and sneeze. In the Ha'or over here, in very big, bold words, the Rebbe says, this is the place also to emphasize in something that has man grama that's very, very relevant, timely regarding those people that seem to be more lenient regarding the matters of Tznius in the summertime, especially when they are in temporary places outside the city, that is referring to being in the country and things like that. Some people say, that I'll act this way now, and I'll be better when I come back to the city. The Rebbe says this is also rele- re- re- this is relevant to men as well, and especially to women, because each and every one of these women are called the Akeris Abais, the mainstay of the house, and the Rebbe says, there's lots to elaborate on this, but the Rebbe concludes the Sikha by saying, on the other hand, when we are careful in all of this, we act in a way of, then we are sure that, the Rebbe transforms all the negative into positive, as Rashi explains, that Bilam wanted to do whatever he wanted to do, but then, he, the Abishta made him bench the Yidin until the promise of the having the Mishkan B'Shleimus that the Abishta is going to return the Mashkan that security of the Beis Migdosh, which the Mashkan so, shows that even during the Churban it exists 100% and when the Kapara is over then it will come down and Yizgala down here in this world forever and ever.